Welcome to War Council. My name is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. And I'm Val Malik from White Metal Games. And War Council is a hobby-centered podcast for miniature enthusiasts. This is episode 36, and we're going to be interviewing Tyler with Mingle Miniatures on the show today. Um, you guys have been asking about more interviews with more artists, and we are pushing in that regard. Um, we are actively looking for whoever that we love their work. We want to interview with them. Um, and Tyler's going to be speaking with us later on the show today about not only his um, uh, his display work, his competition painting, uh, but also his blogging in general and uh, just the way he approaches the hobby. So we're really excited to have him on the show today. Uh, before we jump into that, uh, just a couple quick reminders to our listeners. Um, first off, we are still continuing with the Nova Raffle Project, uh, the charity army that we're working on for next year. We kind of missed the window for the season this year, but we're excited about it in 2017. But we need your help because we need to know what you guys want to see. Um, so currently we're taking suggestions um, for that charity raffle army. The army is intended to benefit the National Center for Victims of Crime Incorporated. This is partially in response to the general upswing in, in crime in our nation, but in particular um, the events that unfolded in Orlando a few months ago. Um, you know, with the, as much violence in the news these days as there is, it's easy to forget about these things. Um, but we don't want to forget, we want to remember so that these things don't continue to happen. Um, we would love your guys' input on what kind of army you'd like to see. Um, obviously, we're leaning more towards a Marine army just because of the fact that it's a popular faction and it will get more, more money for the charity. But by no means are we married to that. If you have another good suggestion, a thematic suggestion, we'd love to hear it. You can send those suggestions to um, info at whitemetalgames.com. Let us know what you're thinking. Um, you know, the more suggestions, the better. And then we'll, we'll sort of discuss them internally and tell you what we come up with. Um, also um, on the docket, the Death Watch Commission, uh, the Tandem Commission, and this is something new that we started this year. Yeah. I know, Val, you're a big fan of Death Watch. Oh, I love the models. I love the lore. As uh, When they first came out, I want to say like third edition, there was a small article. Uh, that sounds right. Them. Yeah. Well, that was back when they were starting to get into, like, that was the first edition where the Witch Hunters Codex came out, yeah. who are now yeah. called the Grey Knights, of course. Yeah. Um, so now that we're seeing this push for, I would call them smaller codexes, yeah. Gene Steeler Cult, of course, Death Watch, Skidhari, these kind of select factions within yeah. the 40K verse, um, it's exciting because it allows you more individuality of your units. Absolutely. No longer are we restricted to, to just very, big boys. Yeah, yeah. But it does bring a certain problem that we've seen with the Death Watch. It's a hard army to figure out. Yeah, the smaller codexes are not necessarily as, as, as big or beefy as the big books. Right. So there's not as many options in them. Actually, there's a ton of options. For sure. the Death Watch, there's a ton of options how you can do that. And that's what's hard about it. So we understand understanding that, that you know, people are still trying to understand the codex um, it usually takes them a couple months to crack it the yeah, meta guys will take yeah. a while to figure it like people immediately knew that the the, the blood angels big gun was a big thing yeah. and it is incredible yeah. by the way but um, but the rest of the codex is sort of like they're kind of trying to figure out where the meta is yeah. like what's the where, most efficient the, use of the max, points maximum perks right and so understanding that we are thinking of extending the yeah to give people more time project. yeah so now, so in general, the, the, the idea behind a tandem commission basically is that you're not, um, if you're a, a solid collector and you're building an army, maybe with these new factions coming out, you don't want to build a whole army, you want to build a couple units. So the beauty of the tandem commission is that you and, and other people that are, are similarly minded can basically jump on this, this, uh, this wagon. You guys can all share the benefit. The more people that sign up, the cheaper the commission will be on the labor. So you'll save up to 10% if we get enough people to sign up. And you don't have to build an army. You can really build a kill team. 
or yeah. a transport or um, really like a, a watch captain if you just wanted yeah. to do just an Artemis figure, for example. Right. Um, and I'm going to send you a link. We just, we just did what we're calling our raffles of the month now, and Philip and Val... Uh, we're working hard on a, a Captain Artemis of the Death Watch, a watch captain. And he's now currently on our Flickr page. You can see previews of him there. And uh, he's painted up to our platinum level. Uh, and I, I just I think the guys did an outstanding job on him. Um, and so you can see a preview of that. So if you want to just get a great-looking watch captain, uh, maybe individualized, or maybe you want to go with one of the models that's in the existing range, we can do that. You don't have to buy a whole army. You can just buy the units you want. You can cherry-pick. Yeah. And you can still save money. So if you're interested in that, we're going to extend that for another month till November 1st. So there's still time for that if you guys are interested. Give you a little more time to think about the codex, but get your requests in early. Email us at info at whitemetalgames.com. Is there any particular model from that codex, Val, that you're most excited about? Maybe we can encourage paint, encourage clients to sort of like, you know, pick the models that you think I you'd love, love to paint the, the most. I love the Watchmaster. Yeah? I absolutely it's a great love figure. the Watchmaster model. Uh, he is that kind of... Um, the new design that GW mm -hmm. has for the plastics, where yeah. you, you know, he has almost parts, and he is quite static. Yeah. Um, we actually picked him up for a project that we're going to highlight a little bit on today for basically a statue. It works beautifully. Yeah. But, uh, An expensive statue, but a beautiful statue. Expensive statue, <laughs> but it's working. It's, for sure. it's doing its job. Yeah. It is, his work is perfect there. But uh, I would love to try to uh, make it more dynamic. Okay. Because sure. he's got a couple of very specific uh, options on him sure. on that model. Uh, there is some ability. It's going to be tricky, but I'd mm -hmm. love. Ju I just love to try to. Uh, well, and those do stoic that. figures. One of the things we've we've picked up recently is that the stoic figures like him are, are harder to yeah, convert, absolutely. but certainly not impossible. Right. Um, for example, um, Pablo at Frontline Gaming. Um, he requested that we do a, a custom captain for him, yeah. uh, or custom character rather. Um, and we're basing it off of a chaplain from the 30K range. Right. Um, so no model is, is safe from our converting or kit bashing. Nope. Um, any Absolutely. can be subject to the blade. Yeah. Um, but in this particular case, um, the, the captain's a great-looking figure, but he could be better. We could, we could manipulate yeah, him. Yeah, it's just, I mean, I understand where the designers came from, that just making him very stoic, very, sure. like, statue-like. Stern. Stern, right. And he got it across, but... You know, there's a guy with the Guardian Spear. This is the first time sure. we've seen that that particular weapon in 40K. Come on, he's just screaming to be a It, it would have been really great. I mean, they have the Watch Captain kit, which is nice, yeah. and it's modular, of yeah. course. But it would have been nice to have a, a, the Death Watch Captain uh, the Watchmaster be, NBA yeah, also well. modular. Yeah, well, like, I'd love to see some options on yeah, him as well. Well, the Captain, they're kind of repurposing. So, but in any way, in any way, that's a model I'm very excited about. The Watchmaster. That's awesome. I really like the Black Star because it, 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 it reminds me of like um, one of those bombers from back in the nineties. You know like what it reminds me of? Around. You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the dropships from Star Trek Troopers. I could see that. That square just those kind of blockyish look. Oh my god! A little bit like the ship from Aliens too, actually. Now that you mention it that way. The, Which uh, one? I forget I what they in the first in the first film. They oh, that's right. The dropship, the marine yeah. dropship. I can't remember oh, yeah. the name of it, but, know, um, but it feels like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. They're definitely drawing on uh, on, on different franchises for yeah, that. Absolutely. No, it's a great looking kit. I really, uh, I I could basically just knock about ten out of them. 
That would be awesome. Now, if you're not a 40K-er, but you are a fantasy player, um, obviously Age of Sigmar is kicking up more and more, and Halloween's just around the corner. So we're interested in doing, uh, we're interested in talking to that client base as well. Um, Essentially, for Halloween, we always like painting up some spooky figures. Um, And we've touched base with clients in the past, and one of the biggest challenges of undead armies, vampire counts armies, death alliance armies, is you have tons and tons of skeletons and zombies and ghouls um, but with that many figures, it can be challenging on your budget. It is to finish. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. So people have, have oftentimes touched base with us on those on those factions where they have 80 skeletons to paint. Um, and we've got a deal for you. We definitely want to help you guys out for Halloween. So up from now until Halloween, we are offering 8% off labor on undeemed, undead-themed projects. Now to qualify for that, it just has to be an undead-themed project. It could be... Uh, Warhammer, it could be Age of Sigmar, uh, it could be a Reaper miniature, I suppose. Um, but essentially, we want to paint some undead. Um, we want to we want to get in the Halloween vibe. So if you've got a project lined up, you certainly have to book it by October 31st. Now we are basically fully booked for October, but we are taking orders for fall or late fall and early winter. So you book it by October. We're painting in November on that project, yeah. um, and you'll get eight percent off labor if you book by Halloween. So reach out to us at info at whitemetalgames.com. There's a lot of cool models in those ranges. We just recently finished up a, a pretty pretty beefy blood vamp, blood counts. Uh, not blood counts. I guess vampire, vampire counts, counts. Blood knights yeah, army. Yeah. Um, and, and those models are, are, are beautiful, obviously lovely. But now yeah. we want to do more. Yeah. You just um, can't, couldn't get enough of it. For sure. Uh, so if you're interested in that, reach out to us at info at whitemetalgames.com. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to jump into um, On the Painting Desk right after this word from Frontline Gaming. Hey guys, PewDiePie here from Frontline Gaming. Are you tired of playing tabletop games on the same old foldable table? Do you have to lug around a bulky Realm of Battle table terrain set? Looking for a gaming mat to match the theme of your army and wow your friends? Then look no further than the Frontline Gaming and Table Warp Fat Mat series. Our fat mats are durable, waterproof, and come in 6x4 foot, 4x4 foot, and 3x3 foot sizes. With over 25 different images to choose from, we have a fat mat for every tabletop game. Get yours today at FrontlineGaming.org. All right, welcome back, guys. We are back uh, with the online on the on the painting desk segment, sponsored by Frontline Gaming. Sponsored by FrontlineGaming.org. And uh, we'd like to uh, just highlight what's been going on a little bit in the studio, in the you know a little bit about the uh, around the shop. So we're finishing up a couple of projects, actually quite a lot of them. Um, we're just finished up the uh, Signar project. Um, yeah, we pump out some models. Like yeah. <laughs> you can't argue with our volume. Uh, we we definitely pump out some models. So we uh, also some Scarbrand and Legion Starter plus some yeah. Chaos Knights. This is kind of one of those things. I'm at that place where I'm painting on these models, and I'm at what I call the hump, and it's yeah. where the easy part is over, and now it's down to the detail work. Now uh. it's down to the putting the brush to the model. Um, and I actually find that Private to your Press, they're a slightly smaller scale than GW scale. Yeah. They're like 25. And, man, that three millimeters makes a difference. Really? Like, oh, for sure. Like, my eyes are straining. I'm tired. Um, but I think I pushed through on that, and I think now I'm getting to the final steps on these guys. And we're getting more and more of these Private to your Press commissions, which I yeah. love. That's awesome. Um, and Scarbrand, on the other hand, he's the complete opposite. He's so big and so beefy that uh, his details are just beautiful. Like, I love painting on him because... So uh, would you say that would be your probably most favorite? Oh, for sure. The bigger, the better. 
Yeah, whenever I see a 25 millimeter figure on the table, I cringe a little bit, okay. um, which is certainly why I give all those commissions to you guys, like as a rule of thumb. <laughs> that's uh, why we're getting Yeah, that. and I just, I like the bigger models. And maybe that's because I'm getting older and my eyes are getting smaller. Maybe it's because my hands are getting more cramped these days. Uh, who knows? Not to say I'm old, I'm 36. Yeah. But um, as I've gotten older, I just Feeling find that. in your bones, do I do, I do, I do. I feel it in my bones. Um, but I, I like the bigger models, man. Yeah. I, just, I just enjoy them. So if any one of you have, uh, let's say, a Warlord Titan, oh, you'd please. like to send one you know, of Caleb's already getting an Elgitarita. So. You know, we've been talking about that. We saw one of those at the uh, at the Nova. Oh, yeah. And um, as you were sort of saying, there's so many surfaces on there's that model. There's just so much you it, can It's do almost on like it. a blank palette. Like it you is. You can really do a lot it with is. it. It's I mean, it's, it's a freehand cool. dream, really. Freehand, technique-wise, there's just so much... Let's say on a small miniature, right? Yeah. There's a certain limit of technique that you can employ. Sure. This guy, he's all over the place. Yeah. Whatever you're into, weathering, oil washing, oil blending, sure. freehand, decals, whatever it he's got every opportunity to do all of that. And that's what's beautiful about it. Now, one of the nice things about the Warlord Titan being a kit now is yeah. that in the past you had to sort of scratch build them. But yeah. now, I mean, you definitely know the quality of the model you're going to get. Yeah. And on top of that, you're, you're starting to see bigger models come out of our studio. We're on our second of three Talonar this month alone. Yeah. Oh, um, so insane. there's really that not a lot insane. of separation between, like, a Talonar Supremacy Armor and, let's say, a Warhound. Yeah. And really the bigger models, we get, I get this question a lot from clients, like, have you done this before? Mm-hmm. Like I had a guy the other day ask us, he said, have you done an Adeptus Mechanicus faction? Yeah. And I, I had to say, well, I haven't, but one of my painters has, yeah. and we sent him some pictures of that. But I know there's a trust issue right. with, with new clients. Yeah. They're always Especially they want to, with the bigger models like that. Right. You know. and, and I get it because it's a high-value model. Yeah. But, but I kind of put it to them this way. Painting, in my opinion, is you build your trust over your, with your portfolio. Right. And at this point, we've done thousands of projects. We have over 10,000 photos on our Flickr gallery alone. And that's just from, the, from, from when we started uploading them a few years ago. Yeah. So I think the trust is really there. I mean, at the end of the day, we're going to paint an amazing model for you. Right. We haven't had someone make that leap yet, but I'm so very excited. So we're waiting excited. for you, guys. Yeah. Make, help us make that leap. Please. Make that leap with us. We do have a Warhound that we want to work on in studio, and we're going to probably tackle that in the winter. But in the meantime, if you're gearing up, winter's a great time to negotiate with us. Every, every client we talk to, I mean, just to be honest with you, every client, every deal is a negotiation. So if you've got a Warhound that you bought and you're excited and you just don't know where to begin with it, begin with us. Like email us at info.whymetalgames.com. Let us know what you're thinking. We'll let you know what we're thinking of pricing. Let's find a middle ground. Let's get that thing cranked out in 2016. Awesome. So, um, and I know you're just starting the uh, Chaos Dwarves. This is a fully Forge World army. So it's 100% Forge World. And what I love about this project is um, the the sample models, pictures he sent us, essentially 95% of the model is airbrush. On, okay. this, on the entry okay. figures, which I love because my right. brush work is is, um, is fine, but I love airbrushing. It's, it's yeah. definitely my favorite part of the project. Right. So to have a project where it's mostly airbrushing is just sort of like a breeze for me. I'm just really yeah. enjoying the project. That's awesome. So, and you these got, guys have a real... You got everything built by this point, so right. you're almost there. You're just about to start... Or have you already started I've, painting? They're all primed. I've, I've done the test models. The client approved the test models. Okay. What I love about Chaos Dwarves, and this is one of the nice things about what we do, is we get to explore ranges that we were previously unfamiliar with. Yeah. Chaos yeah. Dwarves are really kind of the devils in the dark. They're kind of, they're all infernal, 
you know, they ride a great horned Taurus, which is sort of like a big demon bull. Right. Um, they're slaving away in this, this lower realm of lava and fire in these great machines that are pumping and the cogs are burning and blistering. And it just really feels like these guys are in hell. And I love every part of that. I love the fact that their weapons glow with this infernal heat that they can't yeah. get out of them. And that, that uh, every part of the project is a real joy. So I'm, I'm super excited to see them on the table. You, the US project is going to take you all, all the way almost up to uh, Halloween. So it kind of ties in. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, devils for the devil's day, for there sure. You go. Yeah. There you go. Um, so uh, we know that we actually have a little bit more tell going on. So. The tower popular this time yeah. of year. I can only expect that that's partially because of the meta and partially because of the town R suit. Like okay. people are getting into that in a big way. In fact, we have our first platinum level town R suit coming uh, in next so month. We're going to be we're super excited about tackling yeah. that. And the platinum models are now more approachable for clients. We found a price point that we think is good for clients. So it's fifty percent more than gold. Mm -hmm. So you won't go broke doing it, but it's perfect for your centerpiece models. Yeah. So now is a great time to get into that if you guys are interested in getting a high level model like that done. It's actually cheaper than it's ever been before. So let us know what you're interested in. Now, you guys on your side of the coin, um, not to, for me to hog all the glory, you guys are currently working on the Krieg board. And the Krieg board yeah. is finally getting some paint. And we're seeing yeah. how that's all coming together. Yeah. We actually got the majority of it done. We got the buildings done. Uh, and the interesting fact about tackling that particular project, and we did talk about a little bit what some of the challenges are in previous uh, episodes, what we found the... Another t uh, dilemma to solve, actually try to work around it, is the Krieg are very detailed kits, obviously being forgeable resin sure. cast, you know, greatly, absolutely amazingly sculpted. Uh, we, the idea we had was having them like treading through this muddy surface over the bridge, you know, out of this just dem devastated city. And what I, we found is having this large board, there's a, we put so much detail in it Mm -hmm. uh, model itself and as soon as we started painting it everything is blending together sure you can't see them right so that's one of the things we're trying to uh, Philip and I are trying to work around right now you know because this is a display board it's mm -hmm. not a diorama we need to have the models popping um, now so the models are the focus yeah and the board is be, kind of the environment the they live in exactly yeah. but they still have to be visible now we're kind of breaking the logic from what the actual army would be trying to do because they would try to blend into the environment sure, you know, sure. so and that's great in a tactical war sense right but in a, from a yeah. display sense it, it does it, can, it just doesn't work so yeah. right now we're trying to do that now we brought out we found an element that helps us start it basically i think we found the recipe we got okay. the color down on the buildings we got the grounds worked up uh we just punched in the three knights that we have there two from house uh, Hermetica and one from House Tyrannus. It was very distinct kind of reds. Very bright, very bold. We didn't do it bold. We well, toned and it I don't down. think you should have, yeah. Toned it down so it has that environment kind right. of cool feeling about it. Yeah. But what it's doing is it's starting to draw. It's starting to dictate what areas are going to draw the attention to. And it gives, basically just gave us a path. So, I mean, one of the things about that is uh, you're right. Those those houses, those nice houses, traditionally are kind of bold and bright. Yeah. But the problem with that is, is that would stick out like a sore thumb on the yeah, board. Yeah. It would kind of be like a, a, a beacon where right. there shouldn't be a beacon. I mean, right. essentially, these guys live on this 
nuclear wasted world that um, there shouldn't be a lot of like these guys have a tough go of it and the knights that are slogging through the mud with them should feel the same Um, so that's kind of the challenge I think that you guys faced was how do you get that red and make it feel right. Well, we would definitely want to have it in within the environment. Sure. You know, and that's just understand how right. the color would be, how the colors would mix together, you know, be filtered out. I think one of the things that helps in this case is that the client selected, we have what we call effects and embellishments. Yeah. And it's sort of an upgrade service. But at higher levels, at Electrum, you get one for free, at Gold, you get two for free, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But essentially, these are ways to help your models pop. Not just, let's say, if we painted, let's say, um, a Krieg model. Mm-hmm. And one client selected, in this case, he selected um, weathering. As, yeah. a, as an example. Yeah. So that helps these guys to feel even more battle-worn and more torn out. And yeah. um, even the knights, which have these very, very big, flat areas, they can even benefit from that. Definitely. So it helps to sort of sell that and, and kind of make it feel like these guys have been through it. Yeah. yeah. And definitely, we're loving the project so far. Yeah. You know, just and just in time for Armies on Parade, as a matter of fact. Yeah. 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 Armies on Parade is going to be October 15th, which is a Saturday. It's about uh, three, four weeks from now, give or take. Yeah. Um, so we're hoping uh, that we're going to be able to display that by that time. I don't see any reason we oh, won't. We're definitely, yeah. we're definitely in that uh, in there. Yeah, and I'm, I'm very excited to see how that places with other people. Because like, we're excited about it. We want to see what other people think about it. I, I think it's going to be great. I'm really Absolutely. excited about it. Yeah. I only wish we had time to get them both done, both that and the syrup on we're gonna We're pushing it. Uh-huh. We will be pushing as hard as we can sure, because sure. that was uh, the original idea yeah. that we talked about. But, you know, we want both of these that would be amazing yeah yeah so but we'll see the seraphon project is taking a little bit of a step back mm-hmm. due to, to some logistics um and but we finalized the color scheme with the client yeah. that everyone is happy about yeah i'm exalted about because yeah. i have not seen an army painted to that i'm not gonna drop the ball on it no yet. no we won't give it we away want, we want to keep it a bit of but a what mystery. i like about it is that it's very different it's it not is. it's not it what is. you first expect when you see lizard it's not lizard right it's not your kind of gw cliche route no. blue guys you know, and it's it's going to be different yeah and i think it's going to be an amazing build yeah absolutely so um now we are hoping to get more of these display projects in the future so when you start to see these links and start to see these things pop up if you're interested we're still working on our pricing page but we'd be happy to talk to you about it and negotiate with you a little bit on that again every deal is a negotiation so let us know what you're interested reach out to us at info metalgames.com winter is a perfect time because display boards are are great for working on indoors on a cold day we'd love to work on yours this holiday season um you and know, it doesn't have to be display board. It can no. also be a segment, let's say, for a unit sure. that can be cinematic as well. Yeah, like so. basically a kind of a mini diorama yeah. or a mini yeah. display board. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and we're gonna have some. We're gonna as we do this, essentially, we'll make it on a case by case basis. Absolutely. Like um, if you have, like he said, if you want to do a smaller one, perfect. Smaller price, uh, but we can also take that time to put in more detail. Yeah. Um, smaller areas allow us to focus, as opposed to a bigger board where those details may be lost. Yeah. I have a small project I want to try to tackle for uh, 10-man, uh, 30-key Night Lord's Terror Squad that I want to have. Oh, yeah? A, uh, cinematic nice. base. So we should, hopefully, we'll, I'll be able to start working on that, and you'll be able to see some of the updates and w- how it's progressing, how it's being built in our Flickr page. The Night Lords are such an evocative. The, the whole the whole range brings to mind so much different. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great-looking range. Absolutely. I mean, we've had we've painted up two of these Night Lords Demon Princes the last four months. They've both sold immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we have um, – there's there's such a good range out there of alternative bits that just because GW doesn't support them doesn't right. mean you can't have that project that you want. Mm-hmm. So if you are a Night Lords fan and you want to do a project, just reach out to us. We'd love to talk to you about some of our conversion ideas. Yeah. 
So, um, another highlight is Jonathan got an airbrush. Jonathan got an airbrush. Jonathan got an airbrush. Um, John, he's, you know, he's kind of been one of our new, he's our newest painter on staff and, um, he's been, I think, progressing really well. And that's one of the things that we do here is we kind of mentor our painters as we bring them up to teach them the white metal style. Um, and he's been a brush painter for a long time and now he's moving into an airbrushing style because that's really what we all do. Right. Um, and it, not only is it more efficient, but it creates a, a unique look to your models that I really love. Yeah. I embrace it. Um, so yeah, we're, we're, we were supposed to have a training session this morning, but I had to cancel it because I had some other stuff going on. But okay. next week we're going to get into it with him and, um, I'm very excited to see how he progresses. Absolutely. So it's, you know, airbrushing is, is, it's another tool in your arsenal. It's not right. the only tool. Right. It's just another thing. Right. And it's no means a guarantee of quality. No. Again, you got to treat it like, you know, you would anything like a hammer or a pin vise. People think that it's sort of, you know, a cheap trick. And it's not. There was a time when uh, airbrushing, you started to see a lot more airbrushed armies. Mm -hmm. Just started to see them. And especially for armies on parade, I remember there was a lot of hate going on on, online that, well, this one because it was an airbrush army. No. No, it wasn't. Not that. But, yeah, we're super excited to have John. People uh, forget that the airbrush, even though in theory you can do lots of things, like you could, in theory, like dot eyes with it. It's not practical. I mean, it it would be kind of a waste of your time because, you know, essentially you pick the best tool for the job. And airbrushes are great for some things. They're not ideal for others. Um, So at at White Metal, we do a combination of both. So we give you the best technique for the project. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break, and when we jump back in, we're going to uh, jump into our service spotlight, and we're going to talk a little bit about our concept armies that we've got cooking up down the road, and we'll be right up back after this. If you're interested in advertising on War Council, let us know. We can be reached at warcouncil at whitemetalgames.com. Rates are extremely competitive, but there are limited slots available, so please contact us soon. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into Service Spotlight. Normally this is the portion of the show where we talk about um, well, whatever we've got going on. And since we're kind of between pages at the moment, we're working on our next page, I wanted to talk a little bit about our unique kit bashing and conversion services. Um, we talked about this briefly earlier on the show in terms of the Death Watch models and how they can be modified. And just in the same way you can modify a single model, you can modify, for the most part, an entire army. You very theme very strong theme going on yeah it's a nice way to differentiate your models and what people i think forget is that you don't have to differentiate every model if you can differentiate the key models the centerpiece models and really make the project pop Uh, since we've been talking about halloween i'm going to talk a little bit about one of my favorite halloween themed uh kind of projects that we've recently been talking with a client about um, and kind of how this thing came about so earlier in the year we did a couple mad max orc armies um, the synergy is perfect for those. Mad Max and orcs just go together like, you know, like, uh, I don't know. There's a speed. Just a matter of speed. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we loved those projects. We'd love to do more of those kind of projects. So about a month ago, a client reached out to us about a project um, based on the video game series Legacy of Cain. Now, the game, the original game was called Blood Omen, then Blood Omen 2, then Legacy of Cain, and, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the series follows a, um, a vampire, a fledgling vampire in the early beginning of the game through um, his sort of his, the fall of his kingdom and his, his rule over, over his kingdom and people that challenge his rule. And um, it was a, a smaller series of games that I loved, but it had kind of a cult-like following. Right. Even now, people really, really love it. Now, I don't even, I don't, I don't even know if we ever talked about this. Do you play video games at all, Val? Are you a, an active player? Ne- I have never had the chance never to had the time. play. Yeah. 
uh, more individuals. So. I did it more when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, now I only play about once a month, and it's usually only when I'm really, really tired. I don't have the energy to paint anymore. I'll, on a Friday night when my wife is in bed, it's like 2.30 in the morning. Yeah. I can't sleep, so I'll play whatever I have in my desk. Yeah. Um, but for some people out there, video games are a great way to unwind. It's a way for us to connect with our favorite characters, our favorite stories. Um, so it's, it's very natural that people want to take their favorite movies, video games, whatever, and put them into their favorite hobby. Right. So uh, in this particular regard, a client reached out to us about doing a Legacy of Cain-themed Warhammer army uh, for a Vampire Counts range. And right. we got really excited about the project. Absolutely. I was super into it. And because of that, we take the time whenever someone wants to do a unique project like this, and we work out what we call a concept. Whereas where we talk about um, the practical application of how to do it. What, how the army will play as well as how the army will look. For example, um, in this case, the title character in the Legacy of Cain video games is obviously Cain. He's a vampire. So the way to play him probably is as a vampire lord. But then the question becomes, how do you, how do you represent him? How do you build him? What right. kits will you use? How will you kit bash him? And that's what we get into with a concept. Is we actually get into the nitty-gritty of how is it going to work. We did this with the Mad, Morks, Mad, Mad Max Works project. Um, and we did this with the Legacy of Cain idea. Now, the problem is the client in this case backed out of the project. We won't get into why. It wasn't anything bad. Uh, he just decided it wasn't for him at this time, and that's okay. But the concept is still there. So if you, any of you guys are out there and you want us to do a unique army like this, we're going to send you a link to the eBay listing where we conceptualize the army, tell you about our initial ideas for the project, what we'd like to do with the project. We'd love to do it for this, this holiday season. We'd like to do it in the winter, have it ready for 2017. So if you were a fan of the video game series and you would like to pursue this project, follow the link, take a look at our notes, and, and then decide if you like the direction we took with the project. Even if you didn't, and you're a fan of other projects you out there that you'd like. You have an idea that yeah. you want us to try to tackle, contact us. We'll yeah. start the conversation, start the conceptualizing. And uh, hopefully, we I mean, at the very least, we want to let yeah. you guys know that we we're into this. Absolutely, we, we want to do Absolutely. these kind of things. I think this is one of the things, uh, and we talk highlight that uh, you, Caleb, you love doing these kind of things. You I know, do. Doing kind of I would convert all day if I could. Exactly. Like I would so, absolutely do it. And uh, again, take a look at what already we already have done. Look at those uh, the Mad Max uh, army. It looks amazing, you know. And this is a great way. I I remember there was a kind of an uproar, if you will, an upscale on these very thematic armies, but then it kind of started to scale down as GW actually made the kits better. Yeah, for I sure. I've noticed that. With the more modularity of the kits, there's less need to sort of yeah, diversify your projects. But that's the kind of, the, that's bumming out. Sure. That's kind of... Uh, I think you know, part of the problem, too, was for a long time... Taking the hobby away from right. the hobby aspect, if you will. For a long time, GW had this kind of bad rep for shutting down conversions. Yeah. Like, essentially, like, um, people who would convert models and then sell them would oftentimes see, like, a cease and desist notice from GW because their argument was that you were... Um, basically dipping into their intellectual property. Right. And my, my point of view is we're not really doing that. We're really just we're, we're, we're showcasing our love through the hobby. Right. Um, and it's essentially this would be no different than if I bought um, the pieces for a car and then assembled it in a different way. Yeah. I'm not taking away from the brand of the car. I'm just putting them all, the, the parts the together in the way like. that I like. Yeah. yeah. So in this case, we're not taking away from, from GW or Vampire Counts. We're simply saying we love this and we love this. Yeah. And we want to love them at the same time. Yeah. Um, and, and if you are that kind of client, you're like, man, I really like, um, like, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, we had a guy a couple about a, six months ago that 
wanted to do a, we called it Wren's World. And the idea was that it was Marines that had been surviving on an orc world, they had been abandoned there. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't get off world, so they had to scavenge orc technology to make their own technology work. And it was a great opportunity for a kit bash. Right. And frankly, before Death Watch came along, the only way you could build Death Watch was kit bashing. Yeah. You had to combine all your kits. Now, GW has made it more accessible. Well, you can still have to. You still there's do. There's only one unit. Yeah. Uh, I think that's available in the Overkill yeah. that has actually sculpted and right. chapter-specific module, mm-hmm. models sculpted. So you kind of still have to do that. You, you do. Know? And there's still a lot of room for individuality. Right. Like, there's nothing that says, like, for example, they have a, uh, they have a lot of the kits are just a basic GW kit with a Death Watch sprue. Yeah. But the, yeah. But the fun doesn't have to end there. Absolutely. You can really add in any trinket from your bits box that applies. Yeah. Um, just because the GW has sort of shown you what they've done doesn't mean you can't do something unique. Yeah. Um, if you have an obscure chapter out there that you want to represent in Death Watch, we want to represent it too. Absolutely. So, so this is just, again, a friendly reminder that we love custom work. We love custom conversions. We'd love to do it this holiday season. So re- reach out to us, info at whitemetalgames.com. Let us know what you're interested in doing. We'd be happy to speak with you about the project. Okay, well, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to jump into our interview with Tyler Mingle of Mingle Miniatures. We're going to talk about his competitive uh, streak and what's next for Tyler Minger. Uh, Mingle. Blech. Yeah. And we'll be right back after this. Need a model assembled or painted but no money to spare? White Metal Games is now offering trade-ins. Send us pictures of your old models, bits, boxes, even new kits. Make us an offer we can't refuse. Don't like negotiating and haggling? White Metal Games also offers consignment services. You can send us your old models, books, games to sell. We sell them through our eBay store, and you pocket 55% of the sales price. You don't have to worry about eBay fees, PayPal fees, shipping fees. There's no crazy percentages, just easy money. Contact us at info at whitemetalgames.com today. Hey guys, welcome back. We're going to jump into tips on technique tonight, and uh, you guys have been requesting more interviews with more artists, and we have one for you tonight. Tonight we're interviewing Tyler Mingle of Mingle Miniatures. Now, um, Tyler's work is well represented online. People have been oogling and and, uh, drooling over his work for years, and we are talking to him firsthand tonight. So Tyler, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. Sure, absolutely. So, Tyler, just before we get into your competition work, let's just kind of go through your background a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the hobby, um, what drew you in, and what keeps you in the hobby, maybe? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I got in the hobby back in, like, 2000 or 2001. I was, like, 10 years old, uh, and it was just uh, I wandered into a games workshop store one day at my local mall. I thought the stuff was cool. Started picking it up, um, and then uh, you know. How how old were you about that time? How old were you about that time? Like ten or eleven. Oh, okay. Wow, great. So you started early. Wow, yeah. So like a mentor, uh, not a mentor. What do they call those? uh, Protege. (laughs) Yeah. So I uh, when I started in uh, into Warhammer and stuff, it was, I mean, like right at the start of third edition for 40k and sixth edition for fantasy and. that was a great yeah, time to get in because that was right. Third edition was when the game really changed, um, and yeah, the foundations of third can be felt in the current edition. So that was a great time to get in. Yeah, it was uh, the summer, like right after I started buying. I think I got something for Christmas that year, and then that summer uh, was the Armageddon campaign, and I was actually super bummed because I just I didn't have enough painted yet to really do anything with it. So I just kind of <laughs> watched from the sidelines. So, um, could you remember the first miniature you painted? And do you still have it? 
Um, you know, I, I, I'm always looking for my old models. I think I sold a lot of my first army. It was Ultramarines, of okay. course. Sure, that makes sense. As so many of us started. <laughs> yeah. With yeah. Well, everybody. Sure. Yeah. Um, in blue. I don't remember if this was actually my first mini, but I remember it was one of my very first ones was a Land Raider. Okay. Um, so you took on a big one right from the get-go. Like, you weren't, yeah. even, you weren't fooling around, just went right for it. No, yeah, I, I've got a few models left from that army I can find here and there, and it was, uh, you know, I look at some of the people starting out now, and they say, you know, oh, I wish I was a better painter or whatever, and I look at what they're doing, and it's like, yeah, it was so much better than how I painted when I started. Um, it was just, it was bad, and, you know, I'd, I'd prime my guys white if I primed them at all. <laughs> Didn't, you know, there's you can see primer between the colors and there's this glopped on there. I think it's it always bad. humbling to hear artists talk about that because we all essentially start at the same place. Um, I hear that from a lot of artists where they start out and it's always nice to hear that, you know, we all kind of begin on the same track and um, it, it kind of takes time to obviously improve your skills. It's not an overnight thing. So from there, what made you decide to get into competition or to sort of push your painting to the next level? Well, how did it evolve? Actually? Yeah, because exactly. Because there was a period of hobbying, you know, sure. you're, as a kid, you're trying to get into. You said uh, that, you know, you were really excited about the Armageddon campaign. I, I actually remember that when that was going on. But you were kind of standing from the sidelines. They practically uh, exactly like I was, you know, never had enough, you know, kind of just watched there. But uh, how did that start to progress further and further? Um, you know, did you did you have like a break that? Uh, did you again, were you into the hobby at that point? Were you an active gamer, or were you pretty much always a hobbyist? Um, well, see, so yeah, when I was younger, like you know, middle school and high school and all that, I definitely I, I was in both. I guess I had a lot more free time, obviously, uh, than you know I have now. So I I gamed a lot back then as well. Um, I was always trying to push myself uh, artistically, I guess. I was always always artistically minded, even as a kid. So, I mean, that's part of what drew me into the hobby as well as actual, like, getting to paint the models and, you know, put my own spin on them. Um, but it probably took me... I'm, I'm such a slow painter, and even back then I was a slow painter, even at that quality. So my Ultramarine Army to get to my 2,000 points, it probably took me like two years uh, to build it up to that. Um, and then uh, from there, I, don't know, I just kept kept trying to learn new things. Um, the main thing that I used to teach myself uh, was the the Every Metal like Masterclass articles from White Dwarf. Yeah, yeah. I would read those every issue try and uh, I usually didn't have the same model that they were painting but whatever technique or color combination or any of that that they used I would try and use on whatever I was painting at the time um, so I, I kind of credit that for teaching me a lot of uh, what I know about painting was from those Every Metal Masterclass articles um, and that was definitely what they were designed for they were designed to sort of give you a, a step up and, and teach you technique not make it such a mystery um, but um, I'm sure you've picked up other techniques from other artists along the way, and of course you've adapted your own technique over time. Yeah, uh, you know, with uh, the internet, there's obviously a ton of tutorials out there now, and a ton of um, uh, like YouTube video tutorials and stuff. And I, I honestly, especially with the YouTube videos, I don't, 
don't think I've ever really watched, besides some of the Warhammer TV ones, just because they're entertaining, um, watch many of them. Generally, I'll see something that, you know, some artist did on their model that I think is cool. Um, if they've written a little bit about how they did it, I'll, I'll read it. Uh, a lot of times, though, it's just I'll see something and kind of just try and emulate it on my, my own um, and try and see if I can get the same effect, try and figure out how they did it on my own. But yeah, I'm definitely, you know, finding tons of stuff on the internet that uh, that I want to try and bring into my own painting style. So even now, as a as an artist who operates at the level you operate at, you still find drawing techniques from other artists that inspire you. It, it helps you to elevate your painting. Oh yeah, of course. I'm always looking at uh, whatever is out there, newest stuff. Looking at. Um, uh, some of the higher end painters out there and you know for my website i do like a lot of interviews with high-end painters too um and I, I like to think that half of why i even started doing that was actually just so i could ask them all the questions i wanted to know sure um, sure <laughs> journalistic uh, integrity it allows you a sort of a pass kind of you can get closer to your subject yeah absolutely so yeah I'm, I'm always looking for new stuff and you know like one technique that i've never really tackled is non-metallic metals uh, and there's a few reasons for that, but seeing some of the the ones that are done really well out there, they always blow me away. Yeah. So um, you started to develop your painting. You were reading. You were learning. You were getting better. Um, what kept you pushing forward? At what point did you decide you wanted to start, I guess, thinking about competing and moving your painting in that direction? And are you still an active hobbyist, or are you more of a, um, I guess, a competitive painter now? Um, like, do the guys right. at your local store know, like, oh, here's Tyler, like, he's awesome at painting, but he also is really, really good as a tactician, or is it more like, well, you know, he's that amazing painting guy? <laughs> well, I've never been that great of a gamer. Uh, even when I gamed a lot, I wasn't that good at it. I just enjoyed it. Um, sure. I am playing in more tournaments now, which is something I never used to really do. Uh, so a lot of my painting recently has been geared towards... Uh, army painting. Do they, do they not allow painting. you to compete anymore in the painting? Are they like, look, Tyler, you've won twen- ten times. Like, let someone else <laughs> let someone else share the spotlight. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm probably definitely more. I'm no, I am definitely more known for painting than for uh, for gaming. Um, you know, see, I I still do. I guess I haven't done a pure display piece in a bit, but I uh, my armies all have basically levels of uh, painting quality they're at. Uh, and yeah. a lot of that is dictated by when I started the army. Because I try, I want to keep it consistent across the whole thing. Because like I said, I'm such a slow painter that my armies span, you know, half a decade uh, before they get anywhere close to being done. Um, so for like example, I have my Tomb Kings, which is my main gaming army right now. And I started them back in 2011. Okay. So my painting style, my my painting level has improved a lot since then. My painting style has changed a lot since then. All the techniques I've learned have changed a lot. But I have to try and kind of scale it back to somewhat close to where I was when I started the project, just so it all matches. Um, Whereas, like, my newer army is the Stormcast and I started that you know last summer so that one from the get go it was basically 
my goal with my Stormcast models was I wanted them to be identical in quality level to the uh, Design Studio Heavy Metal ones. So okay, so top even, notch. Yeah, so even though I'm painting that as an army, um, I mean, one unit takes me a month and a half. So it, it's... It, even though it's army painting, it's still painting to that that level, mm-hmm. um, but not I guess display level. Uh, the last display, truly display, it had no intention of being part of any army at all. Was uh, this chaos lord I painted for Golden Demon 2013, and that one one model on its own probably took me. I don't even know, several months at least. Um, it also had a lot of conversion work going into it, too. It was probably about you know, $80 worth of individual bits, bits and pieces. And parts. Yeah, sure. Do you find um, that, um, because, um, I mean, we're, you're charting that out in terms of months, but I know that mm-hmm. many of us have, like, full-time life commitments, families, that kind of thing. So do you ever sort of measure your miniatures in terms of the number of hours it takes, and do you find that you get faster with time or do you find that you get more meticulous with time um yeah i started charting more in hours now so back when i painted like that chaos lord my uh the job i had at the time was it was full time but it was like actual full time so around 40 hours or less now my job is full time and it's you know american full time so it's like 50 hours so sure far. sure sure <laughs> <laughs> with lots of commuting as well so back then it was a lot easier for me to actually judge my painting in terms of months because I would have times where I could sit down and paint for like a six-hour block of, of time. Um, now it's more just I paint in the evenings like and I get like so. two hours mm-hmm. and if I'm lucky, maybe an hour, hour and a half. So Well, let's, um, let's, let's talk about your blogging a little bit because we noticed that you're a very active blogger. Um, mm-hmm. We see posts from you all the time on Bella Lost Souls and one of the things you mentioned earlier uh, was that you use that as a way to sort of reach out to artists, people you admire, that kind of thing. Um, now, I, I know that different artists use different social media um, to promote their work or to reach their, their intended uh, uh, base of clients, consumers, friends, followers, whatever you want to term it. So um, why don't we talk about that a little bit? Like, why do, you, why do you love blogging so much? What other social media do you use? And um, what have you found to be not effective for reaching your target, uh, your target I guess, base? Yeah, so my website, uh, Mangle Miniatures, started as my own like kind of personal blog back in the day. Um, I think I started it in 2011. There was an earlier version of that of it um, that I haven't touched in years, and I have actually no clue where it is. And I'm sure you can probably still find it out there on the internet somehow. Um, but it was updated so sporadically. I would I would update it back then, just when I finished something or when I uh, um, you know felt like it basically so it was it was very sporadic there'd be months where I would update it uh, three times and there'd be months where I would wouldn't update it at all and go like two months in between um, so you know back then it was uh, it was more just for my own personal use I guess Sure. Um, well, that's kind of what blogs were originally designed to be. I mean, yeah. kind of an online journal. Um, and I, I kind of feel like Facebook and a lot of these um, Twitter and that sort of stuff have sort of stole the thunder from blogging because 
Um, for me, uh, blogging is one of those things where when you're going to write an article, it, I tend to take my time, I research it, I do my work. But people can just share their thoughts willy-nilly through really any platform they like. Um, so do you find that modern social media has impacted the way you blog or even that you blog? Um, it definitely has not impacted the fact that I blog. Um, at this point, I'm consistent. I have something every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday oh, okay. every week. Very regular um, schedule. So it's kind of like for me now, it's, it's, I have a set schedule and I plan it out, you know, several weeks ahead of time. Even if I'm not writing the article that far out, I've got a placeholder there so I know what I'm going to write. So that means you're pumping out share. somewhere around 150 some odd articles a year. That's very, that's, that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, uh, well, it started, you know, that's like, like a job. Said, <laughs> that's like a, that's like a whole job. Yeah. Well, it started, like I said, it's just my own thing. And then I found sure. myself between jobs for a couple months and sure. I was just like, well, you know, I, uh, do you earn revenue why? from your blogging? Is that what you're kind of getting to there? Do people sponsor you as a blogger or? I have some sponsors. I don't really earn anything from it. It's more just kind of like, um, like I have one sponsor, uh -huh. um, that, uh, mini stomp that they just, they sponsor it. They get an ad on the site and they kind of support, um, contests and stuff with prize support. Okay. So it's more looking at that, uh, that type of sponsorship. Um, I earn a little bit of revenue off of it, but really it's not anything to be excited about. Um, you know, it, it's basically enough to, uh, keep my domain name purchased every year um so it's not it's not a income earner um really uh, sure sure it's it's just i when i started blogging more that was kind of the the idea to see if i could do something like that yeah so i started off i was doing five posts a week wow one every weekday jeez louise yeah, I mean, this is when I was between jobs, like I said. And as soon as I, I got my current job, uh, I knew that there was no way I could maintain that. Mm -hmm. So that's when I cut it down to three posts a week. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's 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 kind of like a whole, uh, you know, second job, basically. Sure. Um, if, I mean, if I get three blog posts a month, it's a good month, <laughs> let alone three blog posts a week. So, I mean, my hat is off to you for continuing that and holding down a full-time job and continuing your hobby regimen. Um, so yeah. That's, that's well, incredible. The hobby regimen is what feeds into the blog, too. They kind of sure. feed off of each other. So if there's a, if I start slacking and having stuff to post, then it becomes a little bit harder to, to blog. So, so. Let's, let's go back to your painting for a minute because I think that's what mm -hmm. people are probably most excited about. So. Um, in 2012, it was the first time I saw that you had won a Golden Demon Award, but I'm sure that's not the first time you had competed. So what drove no. you into com competition, and what what um, what helps you select the pieces you choose for competition? Like, what draws you to... Like, for example, Tomb Kings is a good example of this. Um, your, one of your last competition pieces I saw was a, was a Tomb Kings chariot, like a Kimri mm -hmm. chariot being drawn by these kind of, like, golem-like creatures and... Uh, so what draws you to those models? Um, how do you get your inspiration for the pieces? And uh, then maybe talk a little bit about, you know, how you decide on your color palette. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 2012 was the first time I, I won uh, a Golden Demon. Um, I had entered previously, um, but actually it had been several years since I entered. It's kind of uh, in college. I didn't really have the, the time to, to commit to getting something done that I thought would be worth entering. Um, 
so 2012, I decided that I was going to enter and I wanted to be really serious about it. Uh, and it was kind of um, about time management for why I picked the model I picked for that year. Because I knew it had to be something on the smaller side. But I wanted to put as much time as I could into making it look as great as I could. So it had to be something that wouldn't, you know, consume my life. Uh, so I picked the Savage Orc War Boss. Um, and a few reasons I picked that. Uh, I really liked the model. It was very dynamic. I didn't want to risk doing much conversion work on my first uh, serious entry. Uh, just because my sculpting is not as good as my painting, so I didn't want that to drag down the overall effect of my model. Sure. Um, Just understand what? your strength, what your strength was. Huh? He, just meant, he means you played your strengths. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, def I played to my strength, and that's the other reason uh, I picked that model, is that one of my painting strengths, uh, in my opinion, is skin, um, and I guess cloth, too, in that way. Uh, I can get some really nice smooth blends uh, and I feel like I can get some really nice realistic looking skin so even with green skin it's uh, that model is 90% skin yeah. so I thought that I could really play to my strength on that um, and then that year I decided to really try and play with um, some different highlighting techniques uh, you know like I said I taught myself through the heavy metal painting articles which is obviously in their style which is very crisp very bright, very yeah. hard-lined, you know, uh, drastic difference in between highlights and shadows. And I wanted to try something different. I wanted to go for more of the, uh, I guess, the European style, which yeah, is more, more subdued, kind of, muted, yeah, yeah. desaturated, and realistic looking. So that was my goal with that model. That was what I set out to do with it. I wanted to try and emulate that style, kind of mix in my own uh, I mean, it has a little bit of, like, the heavy metal style to it just because yeah. that's how I taught myself to paint, and that's how I paint. So it kind of, even when I'm trying to do a different style, it shows through. Um, when you were preparing to uh, to enter this piece, when you were apparently, well, as you were talking, uh, getting a sense that you were, you know, kind of very planned the whole thing out, uh, you said you were looking at some of the European painters. Were there any specific uh, artists you were trying to look for, toward, you know, the, um, to emulate, yeah, to emulate. Who exactly? Uh, who were you looking at? No, I don't think there was anyone specific. Uh, I was just looking at all the different. Basically, I was looking at all the different, um, you know, Golden Demon winners from the UK, from France, from Germany, from Italy, yeah. and just kind of looking at how they painted stuff and just in general, uh, wanting to capture that style. Um. So yeah, with this model, I approached it. Uh, I broke it down into chunks. Uh, even though the skin is all 90% of the model, I would paint one leg from start to finish all the way, and then move on to the next leg, and then move on to the torso, and then move on to the arm, and then to the hand, to the face. Um, and I did that mostly to not drive myself insane, uh, because I was taking so much time with each blend and each highlight that I was afraid that if I tried to paint that entire uh, color, even though it's all the same color, it's all his skin, at the same time, I would start losing interest, and my painting would start suffering because of it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to make sure each little section of him got as much attention as every other section on him. 
Um, so just because I've, I've been on your website a lot recently, um, mm-hmm. how can people see or quickly, quickly, because you, as you said, you blog a lot. <laughs> um, and um, your mini of the week uh, series is really nice because it allows people to sort of get inside your headspace and see what you like. But how can they directly find your models? Like how can they directly find your competition pieces, pieces that really emulate you as a painter? Um, oh, or is there you know, a quick should, way? <laughs> yeah, that's a <clears throat> the best way to follow my pieces. Sure. Uh, and what I'm painting is my Instagram. Okay. Uh, because as I'm painting, I will post up pictures through the whole process. Sure. Um, on my website, uh, I mean, I've I've got you can search, you can search by if you know what you're looking for specifically. Or you can search by, I mean, everything's tagged. So at the top, if you want to look at stuff that's just painting, you can click on that. It's going to have a lot in there, though. Um, for my Tomb King stuff, if you want to look at all of that, I have a, another website called The Endless Deserts. Yeah, I see it links from your main site. Yeah, so that will have the entire gallery for all my Tomb King stuff, at least. Okay. Um, see, I wasn't for sure if The Endless Desert was sort of like... Uh, like a, a rule set or something like that, like an alternative campaign strategy guide or something like that. Yeah, it's everything. Oh, okay. It, it has okay. that. It has rule sets. It has background. Sure. It has okay. pictures. It has tutorials. Sure, sure. Um, it's just basically anything that has to do with uh, Tomb Kings and Age of Sigmar, but that includes my painting as well. Are you planning any new, um, I guess, pieces you can sort of preview or tell us about or say, like, what you're planning to do next in terms of, like, do you have an active competition piece you're working on? Uh, or if not, are you searching for your next competition piece? Or I, I guess what's next for Mingle Miniatures? As far as competition pieces go, I don't have anything planned at the moment. Okay, um, take a little next, break. Yeah, the next thing I'll be going – I mean, I'm, I'm working on stuff. I'm working on um, – uh, army painting stuff um like for your personal armies i'm guessing yeah for my personal stuff sure. and the next competition i'll be at that i could enter into would be adepticon with the crystal brush okay so next um, year it's awesome yeah i i i haven't decided if i'm entering yet this year or not uh, honestly um i was a little disheartened one year with uh i guess how the crystal brush was run Okay. Um, you didn't agree with how the judges were making their decisions or something like that? It was just, yeah, I, I entered um, several several things. Like the Tomb King on the Chariot was one of my entries that year. It was the entry I actually mm-hmm. painted for it, like, specifically. Yeah, I followed, I followed that kinda... series article, so I, I saw how you kind of built it. I thought it was a nice series. Yeah, so I had that, that model actually started out as my uh, intended entry for Golden Demon 2014. Okay. Which never happened because they canceled it. Oh, okay. So then it became my Crystal Brush 2015 entry. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was, uh, they didn't get online voting up until like 3 in the morning. <laughs> uh, you know, so it went from like 3 in the morning to like, uh, you know, 9 a.m. or whatever when they cut it off. So, so pretty much hours. American voters were, yeah. you know, cut out of it. Sure, um, sure. That seems that seems crazy to me. Yeah, and the, they changed how they were doing stuff that year. So instead of putting everything up for people to vote on, they selected what they were going to put up to vote on. There was this random, some 
categories they put up five entries some they put up three mm-hmm. so in the category they only put up three you already know that those three are going to be the winners just what order they're going to be the winners and it was just it was i didn't agree with i guess how it was done and it seemed kind of so it just it discouraged you and it kind of left a bad taste in your mouth yeah so i'm, I'm waiting for the next competition that i really want to enter into because mm-hmm. um, it's gotta you know it it's gotta inspire me to want to paint something that's going to take a month to three months of my life painting solely that model um so yeah i haven't decided yet if i'm doing anything for crystal rush this year just out of curiosity not to jump back for a second but hearing you talk about your timelines when you Mm -hmm. play locally with friends because of how meticulous as a painter you are Mm -hmm. um do you either play with unpainted models or do you kind of i think you said scale back your models for Obviously not your Stormcast project, because in, in clearly you're doing that to an heavy metal-ish quality. But mm-hmm. with, like, let's say a, 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 a different project, when you want to play locally, do you um, ever play with unpainted figures, or do you just sort of bring your painting back a little bit so that you can play with a fully painted force, but at a lower quality level than you would compete with, of course? Yeah. Um, my thing used to always be never ever play with unpainted figures sure um, and it's a good motto now, in theory uh yeah i still try and do that as uh-huh. much as i can um but now i mean it's i, well, I don't I mean if it's taking to... you like you know if it takes you that long to do uh like with your stormcast models at this point for example mm-hmm. if you're sacrificing a quarter out of your year for competition and it's taking you six weeks to do a squad or whatever then that you know we can do the math it's going to take years or something to finish an army um, yeah my armies are always always very long term sure projects. sure sure um, so i mean like right now i've got my tomb kings i've got enough painted with them that i can always field a fully painted force uh-huh that um, makes perfect sense while i work on something else and that's kind of how i've always done it uh, i always make sure i have something fully painted so that i can bring that to the table and then work on something new that will take a long time. But uh, I do use unpainted models every now and then, um, mostly just against close friends Mm -hmm. that I know don't care. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't want to bring that to any, like, local event or anything like that, even if it allows it. This is... I I don't like doing that. Sure, Um, sure. But I I definitely don't want to feel like I'm uh, not painting it to the best I could just to get it on the table either. Yeah. Um, so it sounds yeah. like currently you're just you're focusing on some personal projects while you gear up for your next competition. Not quite sure what that will be yet or what the competition will be, but you're you're eager for it, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely... It's just got to be something that I feel like, uh, like I would want to enter into. Sure. Um, Makes perfect and sense. that's, I guess, you know, relatively close by to me as well Mm chicago is like a a five-hour drive for me sure yeah it's quite well worse for us but yeah i'm with you with you yeah yeah (laughs) so Uh, i don't ever think we got the answer to the question earlier on the on your competition pieces did you you said Mm -hmm. you're tracking hours now do you have a general idea of like how many hours you might put into a competition model like i mean i'm guessing no less than 100 but probably somewhere in the ballpark of hundreds i would guess I'm trying to think. I think the last one I really tracked on was the Chaos Lord, because the Tomb King one was done... Like I said, I started it for Golden Demon, got cancelled, I stopped it, and I picked it back up again later, so that one's hard to kind of 
keep track of. Um, but the Chaos Lord one I did for 2013. Sure. Uh, I painted all you know in one go, and I think I tracked that one uh, just painting time on it. Uh huh. And at maybe like 80 hours. Okay. Sure. Um, there's a lot of prep about time going into it, um, planning everything out, picking out all the pieces. Like uh-huh. I, for that model, I used Photoshop too to kind of like combine everything I was thinking in my head and see how yeah, it was going to work before I started it. Um, yeah. So there was a lot of prep time that went into it before I even started painting. Sure, sure. About, about 80 hours. Now, people know you as um, a, an artist who does art, this sort of stuff, miniature painting, but we also know that you've been involved with the Lord Inquisitor. Um, Val, our painter on, one of our painters on staff, he um, was also involved with that project. Can you talk a little bit about your involvement in that massive undertaking? Um, and just share some of your experiences. Maybe you and Val can, can sort of fill us in about what that was like. Yeah, I guess. Well, how did you uh, get involved? How did you uh, start with this? Uh, I saw, you know, I think the first trailer that was put out for it. And I uh, was following it on Facebook. And I saw them put out a call for, this is like the first time when they were really ramping up the staff. Uh and I was looking at what they were looking for, and one of the uh, positions was community manager. Mm-hmm. I figured that I can help with that. So I put in, uh, you know, I Facebook messaged them, said I'd be interested in it. I think I was one of the first people to respond to it. Uh, and, yeah, they brought me on board back in, oh, I don't even know, five years ago now. That would um, be like, two, yeah, that would be 2011. Yeah, it was a while ago. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, since then, you know, I've done various things involved uh, on the Facebook end of it uh, uh, Battle Lost Souls uh, a bunch of other stuff like that but mostly it's just been uh, community managing and then chiming in with my opinions whether it was wanted or not on whatever they were posting Yeah, Uh, I remember uh, remember that uh, we uh, when I came on board I actually came a little bit from a little bit from differently Um, I don't remember there being any kind of call, Erasmus putting any kind of call for people. I just, uh, I stumbled across the trailer, I want to say like a year after you did, and uh, thought, you know, this is a dream come true after seeing uh, Ultramarines, you know, what the heck, this is, this is going to be amazing. And I messaged him, said, hey, I'm an artist, you know, is there anything I can help out? I think I can be useful here, here. And he's like, yeah, well, sure. And that's when I first started to actually see you um, as kind of, the uh, group administrator because we had two groups we had the community group right and then we have our production group where a lot of the things that would be discussed I remember you and Rob uh, kind of uh, when as we let's say put an update or a work in progress uh, whatever it would be you know you guys would also always be checking okay guys uh, Rosmus is this okay to share is this not Um, and you usually keep that uh, keep the information flow uh, within the fan base, going in a consistent level. So, how did, we, how did you find that experience? I mean, uh, is the timelines? You should. You were in. You actually had already a job. I think, uh, if I'm presuming the, the timeline correctly, you already had a job. So, and plus you're blogging and you know being it's involved. A with this yeah, it's a lot to balance. Yeah, a lot of work. Yeah, how did, for sure. How did you manage that? I mean, how did you? Uh, how was that? Yeah, um, well, so back when I jumped on Lord Inquisitor, my blogging was when it was sporadic, uh, mm-hmm. and my job was less time-consuming, so mm-hmm. that helped. Um, 
as it moved on, it was just kind of, uh, I think Rob picked up a lot of the slack from me uh, within the community team once I started having my attention pulled other directions. Mm -hmm. Um, At the same time, though, once my blogging started uh, ramping up, that also became a nice outlet for Lord Inquisitor things because I could kind of put it right out there instead of having to put it through a third party. I could kind of just directly you know, put out anything that we needed to onto Mengel Miniatures as, you know, an interview or preview, any of that. Um, So I guess it kind of helped each other on that. Um, I don't know. It hasn't really seemed like it's been that hard to balance it. There's been times, I guess, when definitely, like, uh, the the ramp up to uh, when the prologue was coming out was definitely a lot going on from a bunch of different directions. But it kind of ebbed and flowed. I guess with how much uh, it demanded from me. So I think actually that time, uh, as we were getting ready to uh, release the prologue, uh, part of the team's work was kind of eased off. Let's say, like well, for me, for the concept art, um, you know, it was mostly finalization. But for you guys, for you and Rob, that's when the whole, the all, everything just ramped up because you know that's when we want to get people excited about it that's when we need to do all the press releases i know you guys both uh created the um uh press packet that you were sending out so you know there was a lot that needed to be done but uh it's funny how you're talking that you know there were these times of turbulence with it you know for on your end you know when you had the time to do it when you started to see "Ah, i can't really do this but it's awesome that you guys uh, that you uh stuck with it i mean to the end because we actually lost quite a lot of people throughout the project yeah the team expanded and contracted i guess kind of throughout the years like as it was two needed, times i, I want to say i remember two or three times and kind of bloated up you know swelled with all these excited mm-hmm. people that want to be on board and then it just kind of deflated back well when they, i think I it mean, was sorry. they brought on a lot of people who, who thought they were gonna uh, help with the project and then they kind of realized that they didn't have the time to devote to it so then it, at that point it would you know shrink down again yeah yeah it's easy to get excited about something like that but then afterwards it's it's a challenge because like you said it's it's an incredible amount of work from people all over the world um so coordinating that is 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 a challenge for sure yeah well i gotta i gotta ask uh from my end uh if let's say uh this if this does if something does lead out of this project um we how would you be uh, willing to, would you want this to be, you know, to, to see the next step, to be involved in the next step? Would I want to be involved in the next step? Yeah. I mean, yeah, uh, I'm still sticking with it. Um, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where it goes from here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's kind of hard to say, you know. It, it, I All guess right. it depends on, uh, on, on where it goes and uh, kind of what direction it takes, but... Uh, I'd always like to still be involved in some way, one way or the other. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, Tyler, you've been really generous with your time today. Um, we really appreciate it. And I'm I'm super excited to see more of your work in the future. We're definitely going to follow you. Um, and thank you very much for sharing some insights into your, your painting process, your work, um, and just, just everything about Mingle Miniatures today. 
Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. And we'll be back in touch. Um, we like to check in on guests, so we'll be sure to check in with you in the future, see what your next competition piece will be. Absolutely. All right. Sounds good. And we'll be uh, right back after this brief message. Hey guys, it's Caleb with War Council. Are you a purveyor of stuff? Are you an entrepreneur with something to preneur? Do you sell things related to tabletop gaming, painting, or some other aspect of the miniatures hobby? Would you like to advertise to like at least three listeners a show? Then you've come to the right place. War Council has a limited number of sponsorship slots available. Each slot guarantees you a banner ad on the White Metal Games website, and we're at like 300 likes on Facebook right now, so clearly at least 300 people can be bothered to click the like button at some point in time in their lives. For $20 a month, we'll promote you and your products on the show. For $10 more, you can have an entire 30-second commercial, like this one, only, you know, better and more relevant and stuff. Email us at info at for more information, and until you do, put your manies where your mouth is. Hey guys, we're going to jump into our one minute rant or gush this evening. Um, I'm going to rant today. I am angry. You're angry. I am angry. I'm rantable. Watch out. So, um, what are you angry about? So here's the thing. We've been talking, we talked with Tyler, obviously, about competition pieces. You've recently competed at the Nova Open, scoring a bronze medal, a third, uh, in their um, bus competition. And now we've added, um, we want to do more display plants. We've right. got these custom miniatures. We're doing platinum level figures more often these days. And we're obviously finding the uh, need to properly display them. Right. You spend all this time on a miniature. What you want, don't want to do is just set them on your table. Yeah. You want him to elevate. So right. the way to do that is through plinths. Yeah. And so as we started to explore plinths, we started to look around for ways to do that. And it is surprisingly hard to find a good plinth company. There's only one or two suppliers, three that I can come to mind in the U.S. that really supply plinths. Mm-hmm. Most of them are resin these days. They're not wood anymore, so they're yeah. cast. Now that at least means they're they're all consistent. Right. Um, but I, I feel like that's you know it takes away a little bit of something. I like the look of wooden plinths too. It's the sense of the upper scale kind of quality. You know, yeah. Precious woods like redwood, cherry wood, they have been always denoting to a certain level. Sure. So. Yeah, as great resin ba- as resin plus are, because you can always slot them right there and then. There's sure. a ton of options. You just don't get that feeling. You know? Yeah, I it's, agree. It's but kind of a mid-level. Mm-hmm. It's good enough. It's presentable. It's like your... Um, uh, compare uh, black Bentley with uh, black Hyundai, uh, Honda Accord. Sure. They're both good cars. Sure. They're both reliable. You know, 100 Accord, yes, it's at a good level to sure. a business meeting. Yeah, you can show Absolutely. up. Absolutely. But when you show up in a Bentley, you know, that's a little different. People know. Exactly. So to me, I'd say the actual wooden plants are the Bentleys. Yeah. For this. I would agree. So. Um, and um, we're going to get more and more into this, but... If you're out there and you know a good display plinth company um, that um, you'd like to share with us, please do so, because we're certainly interested in doing more displays, and we want to make sure that when we source this kind of thing that it's affordable to our client base. Um, So we want to make sure that they have the best options available. So just let us know what you guys have found out there. We found it was a real struggle to find good plinths. Um, but there are some companies out there, certainly in the UK. There's a couple in the US, Competition Minis. Secret Weapon has a small selection of them. Yeah. Dragonforge has a small selection of them. Um, but, you know, we're still looking. We're still looking for the right source for that. Um, so we'd love to know what you guys have used in the past if you're a competition painter or, if, uh, or even if you're just thinking about displaying your own models. Absolutely. So let us know what you found. 
And that's it. And that's my. That's where my anger abides. That's it. That's yeah. it. I'm, I'm good. I'm not super not, angry. Not enough. Not enough Plymouth Company. I'm not like. We're, yeah. Well, exactly. Okay. Okay. Well, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna jump in with our outro, and we'll be right back after this. Are you a tabletop quality painter in the Raleigh area with 10 hours or more a week to spare? Have you ever thought about becoming a commission painter before, but you weren't sure it was right for you? White Metal Games is looking for talented painters in the Raleigh area to join our studio team. You're paid by the job, not by the hour, so you can paint at your own pace. Send us pictures of your painted models to info at whitemetalgames.com, and we just might be interested in speaking with you. Put your minis where your mouth is. Hey guys, welcome back. We are jumping off right now. We're going into our outro. Uh, we'd just like to highlight a little bit what we have booked for the, our next episode. Uh, next time on our podcast, we will be talking everything Halloweeny. And uh, we, is Halloweeny a word? Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna make it one. Are you gonna I'm make gonna it co- a word? I'm gonna try to coin it. I like it. I'm gonna try to coin it. Um, so we're, it's gonna be around Halloween themed, and we are actually going to be. Uh, talking to the Reaper himself, we're going to be uh, interviewing Reaper Brian with Reaper Miniatures, uh, and we're going to discuss some, uh, talk about how the company started, you know, what they have going on, what they, what new exciting product they have uh, available, maybe release in this Halloween. Uh, we'll and people don't know. I mean, I know that they know the basic story of Reaper, but yeah. Reaper is very much a family-owned business. I mean, That's it's right. kind of the Coca-Cola right. of miniatures. Yeah. Um, and so not only is it a, a huge brand in the industry with right. ReaperCon coming up in October, but they're just, they were, they're super, uh, they're great. I'm very excited to talk with them. Yeah. And they're actually, we got a couple of friends going to ReaperCon competing like we this. Do, yeah. Week, so. Yeah, she'll That'd be there. Be awesome. That'll be awesome to follow up with I mean, her. one of the nice things about ReaperCon is they, they, they boast 21 artists yeah. this year. Um, so it's a great opportunity to go and learn. Um, and it's also a great opportunity just to go and have some fun. A lot of board games and stuff, RPGs, some wargaming, I think. That's but awesome. really, it's just a, it's just a fun opportunity to meet other painters, talk to them, learn from them. Yeah, yeah, very That's cool. awesome. That's awesome. We also will be discussing uh, for the uh, painting techniques uh, the how do you paint gore. How do you paint blood and gore? How do you? Uh, this is one of those things uh, that over over time you learn that there's no right way. Like in my opinion, like everyone, lots of people do it differently, and I've right. seen I've seen dark blood, dried blood, fresh yeah. blood, yeah. Uh, streamy blood, pools of blood. Right. You know. So how do you do it? You know, what are some techniques? What are effective, good ways of doing? It? Because blood is actually quite tricky. To it do. is challenging. So more know. challenging than you think. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what we got going on for the next episode. Um, uh, also, let us know who you would like to. Uh, us to interview uh please leave our feed your feedback let us know who uh, you would like for us to talk to we know who we like but we yeah. want to know who you guys like yeah and we're always looking for our next guest so even though we have a couple people lined up we're, we're never we're never sleeping we're always looking so if you have someone that you're like you know i really like to know more about this artist and his work or her work uh reach us at info metalgames.com we'll reach out for you you don't have to you can be shy we'll talk to them um, and we'll be happy to, to sort of um, drill them down for questions, get the inside goodies on their techniques and what they do. Yeah. Um, or or send us a list of questions that you'd like us to ask. Yeah, for sure. Specifically that you would like to know. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so yeah, um, for this week on um, War Council, my name is Caleb Dillon with White Metal Games. My name is Val Malik with White Metal Games. And until next time, put your minis where your mouth is. Mm-hmm.